By making the world a more beautiful place, Artemis publishes artists and writers from the Appalachian region of the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia and beyond. This is the time when we need to write and make art for the sake of healing our souls and enriching our communities. Welcome to Artemis Speaks. Hello, this is Jerry Rogers. I'm your host today for Artemis Speaks, and I am delighted today to bring our guest in on our interview through the magic of Zoom and computers and uh, Skip Brown, our co-producer, his brilliance. So we're having Carolyn join us. She's in the eastern part of the state. I'm in the southwestern part. Carolyn Kreider Ferranda served as a poet laureate of the Commonwealth of Virginia between 2006 and 2008. She was nominated by Governor Kane. And during her tenure as Poet Laureate, she traveled up and down the state and introduced poetry to many people as well as school children, and she'll get into that later. She has published nine books and three poetry anthologies. It's often said that when you read her work, it's like having an intimate conversation with her. She's accomplished much, and we'll get into that right now. I'd like to welcome Carolyn to the show. Thank you so much. Well, let's get right into it. You served as Poet Laureate from 2006-2008 here in Virginia. You had many accomplishments during your term. I know you traveled all over the state during that time. Can you speak about what you did during that time? Yes, um, thank you for asking this question. I co-edited with the uh, president of the Poetry Society at that time, Edward Law, an instructional guide for Virginia Poets Laureate. And this was um, extremely important because I was able to use the book since we had exercises that use um, each laureate's poems as a basis for developing students' critical and creative thinking skills. And in line with that, I, as you mentioned, I traveled all over the state. I conducted workshops at numerous schools and universities from kindergarten through 12th grade. I know. And then I also went into universities, Virginia Tech, George Mason, Christopher Newport University, you name it, I was there. And it also gave me the opportunity to promote poetry contests that were sponsored by the Poetry Society of Virginia, especially with elementary, middle, and high school students. Uh, one accomplishment that I'm very proud of is that I work through the Academy of American Poets, a national organization that administers over 180 annual prizes for groups such as the Poetry Society. And I set up, and I set up, permanent endowments at the following universities. Oh my gosh. I led an effort through uh, the Academy of American Poets, a national organization that administers a number of annual prizes and set up 
um, a number of opportunities for students at Virginia Tech, College of William and Mary, University of Richmond, University of Mary Washington, and Old Dominion. And then I established a poetry book giveaway project and White Pine Press and the University of Arkansas Press kindly donated a number of books that I got into universities throughout the, the state. I featured poets on my website, including our current poet laureate, Luisa Gloria, and her student, you may have heard of Natalie Diaz, who is an award-winning poet of Mojave Indian. Um, and then I traveled all over, even outside of Virginia. I worked in inner city schools, nursing homes. Um, and one event that I'm very proud of is that I was invited by Dr. Ray Barroa of George Mason University to uh, read at the Library of Congress in, a, well, it was an event that was called Indos Linguis. And it featured poets from Paraguay, Dominican Republic, Mexico, Spain, Argentina, Puerto Rico, you name it, from all over the world. Um, more recently, as you know, I've set up a book award uh, that's administered by the Poetry Society of Virginia. And I could go on and on, but I just work day and night, Jerry. You, I don't know. You seem so young for all of your accomplishments. I don't know how oh, you've done so, everything. Yeah. I do know you mentioned that you had started writing poetry before you even entered school. Uh, your mother was a teacher. Your father was a principal. So obviously you came from a environment of, of educated people who wanted to nurture your talents and you were already writing before you got into school so you spent your younger years in southwest Virginia uh, how did this influence the growth of, of you as a poet well what happened was we lived in Pulaski <clears throat> and what was um, very interesting about this is that there were very few youngsters my age. So I had to entertain myself. And back then we didn't have a TV. So I played in a sandbox and I pretended like I had, well, I had imaginary friends with me. I set up cardboard boxes in our garage and these were desks so that I could teach imaginary students. And my mother read poetry books to me even at a very young age. And so I started writing poetry and just um, had a ball doing so. I don't know that it was very good, but I enjoyed writing it. I'm, you know, climbing trees and uh, just pretending like I had lots of people around me. We are doing this interview, conducting this interview via Zoom. Uh, this is how we're doing a long-distance interview, and uh, I know our audience will bear with this. You know, we're all learning how to do better interviews with Zoom, but I want to thank Carolyn for doing this uh, today with us. Well, where do you find your inspiration for your poetry, and do you have a favorite topic you like to speak to? Yes, I have several favorite topics. I love writing about nature. Um, and when we moved from the Northern Virginia area outside of DC to the Chesapeake Bay region, I'm, it's delicate beauty just, uh, you know, touch my soul. And my husband, who is a former veterinarian, and I set up a wildlife retreat here. And we have so many animals that cross and I got to learn more about these animals. And, you know, I became interested in the eagle and the osprey, and it, it took me back to having read a book by Rachel Carson, which I'm sure you know, Silent Spring, 
which was released in 1962, and her concern about the DDT and um, all of the uh, all of the animals that we lost as a result of that. In addition, I write a great deal about art. Uh, you're an artist. You, your photography is excellent. Who knows? I may be writing a poem inspired by your work soon, Jerry. <laughs> I'd be delighted. Um, but I, you mentioned earlier about Diego Rivera and Frida Kahlo. I became extremely interested in them because of their um, their art and also their intent. Diego longed for a day when all men could be treated equally and look what's happening today. Um, and so I wrote a book called The Embrace. I spent hours researching, but it was well worth the effort. I have also written poems um, inspired by George O'Keefe. I researched her by traveling out west to visit her home, uh, Vincent Van Gogh and many other artists. And travels abroad, when I was teaching full time, I took my students um, on 25 trips to Europe. And many of those trips introduced us to uh, places, sites that I thought were historically significant and that I wrote about. And I'll tell you, the keen observation, you know this as an artist, Jerry, observing, looking at things closely is so important. And I try to zero in on that and also on the musicality uh, because I started out my life training as a concert pianist. Um, but those are the primary subjects about which I write. And you went down to Mexico and did extensive research on uh, Diego and, and Frida, didn't you? Yes, With I did. My husband and I took two trips uh, to Mexico, and I should say that my husband is a Hispanic speaker. He was born in Chile, grew up in Bolivia, and he's an Indian. Um, and he was able, when we went in for the tours, he told people, and whether we were at uh, La Casa Azul for Frida, uh, where she grew up and lived, or whether we were at Diego's studio, uh, my husband was able to mentioned that I was working on this book, and then we got uh, treated like royalty. We even got a four-hour tour, believe it or not, of the Ministry of Education building where Diego's famous murals are. Um, and I read every book known to man about Frida while I was working on this, on the embrace. Obviously, you love art, and a few of your paintings have appeared on the covers of your poetry books, right? Yes, yes, I have uh, quite a few paintings that have appeared on the covers of my book. A uh, Contrary Vision includes one, and actually on my website, carolynferunda.com, I have highlighted some of the books. I also have a, a photograph that I took when I was at Lake Titicaca um, <clears throat> up in the Andes, and there I saw this Aymara Indian crossing the lake, and I just had to capture that. <clears throat> so I'm very pleased that my publishers have, uh, you know, wanted to put my artwork. Uh, even on my a more recent book, uh, the these flecks of color one of my paintings appears. I have been to Lake Titicaca. I know that magical place in Peru. And you spent your honeymoon there. 
of we, all places, that's very remote and obscure to a lot of people. I How know, did you and, like and the irony was they had an outbreak of cholera down there at the time that we went, but thankfully we were up so high, 12,300 feet in altitude, that, uh, you know, we were safe. It, didn't even exist up there. And I'm wondering about the COVID outbreak. If, um, you know, the higher you are, the less chance you have of getting it. I have no idea. I haven't researched that yet, but I plan to. Well, if it's true, then we're all going to move to Lake Titicaca for a year or two. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's a gorgeous place. Oh, it's so magical. What do you consider to be your most significant contribution to American literature? Well, I, I feel like uh, The Embrace is one of my significant contributions, but also I feel like what I did uh, during my term as Poet Laureate was extremely important because it led to poems um, that really focused on universal themes. And also uh, another accomplishment that I'm proud of is that in 1992, I was selected as a Virginia Cultural Laureate Award, and that was during uh, the governorship of Douglas Wilder. Um, and this was because of my contributions to American literature, in particular in the field of poetry. Um, and in writing dramatic monologues, you're familiar with my monologues and, and poems and, and dual voices. I love to experiment and I love to revise I revise each poem countless times until every single word, every single line accomplishes what I want it to. Well, I'm sure you are a very uh, inspirational teacher. The fact that you traveled with them, that you're a working artist, you're a, a poet, and, and what a what a better qualities to have as a teacher. And your mother was a teacher. I often find that children of teachers become teachers. I know my father was a principal and a teacher as well. And in my other lifetime, I was a teacher, but I'm doing what I'm doing now and I love what I'm doing. Um, you have spoken about your book, The Embrace, and you wrote um, poetry based on your travels and looking at Frida and Diego's work in Mexico. And today, I think we are going to do a simultaneous reading of one of your poems, uh, The Two Voices, Frida and Mask. Carolyn? Thank you for your willingness to share uh, Frida and Mask uh, with the audience. Um, Frida Kahlo did incredible paintings that really showed a duality of her personality. In the mask, she's holding this mask up against her face and all that you can see in the painting is her hair at the top. And then of course the mask commands the painting. Now this is a simultaneous poem in two voices. And thank you for your willingness to read the voice of Frida. I will read the voice of the mask. Frida and mask. Who holds my face against her face? Dumbstruck. My stringy wig violet. Hair piled high. Conceals her stony gaze. Above a curtained glare. She'd rather be enclosed. Veiled as in mourning. 
in a garden of pitahayas and plums. Diego's lost love. Lucent like plumage. A parrot with feathers. Spread open. She steadies. Unfurled, I fly into labyrinths. A tear-stained facade, sable brows. Of myself, scorn likenesses. And eyes herald a masquerade. In self-portraits. How like her to appear detached. Belittle the latest mistress. Those slender fingers, tips polished red. Her unquenchable desires. Hold me lifeless against the cavernous stare. Take off the weeping mask. Beware the gouged holes. Undo this camouflage. Pecked out as if by a ravenous crow. Let them see the concealer. Will numb you with a piercing cry. Let them see who I really am. Oh, thank you, Jerry, for wanting to share that poem. Well, that was was fun. I really enjoyed it. And it's a great way to end the podcast today. It's been delightful to visit with you, Carolyn, and keep up the wonderful work you're doing. And thank you for uh, sharing your work in Artemis Journal. We have you uh, published in this year's journal. So this is the conclusion of our program today i'm jerry rogers and i thank all the audience that have tuned in and we shall see you next time thank you jerry you've been listening to artemis speaks artemis is a charitable organization now 43 years old and has evolved to be all-inclusive, a journal with essays, poetry, and art. 10% of the journal's sales are donated to a woman's shelter in Southwest Virginia. If you're interested in learning more, artemisjournal.org. You can mail us directly, P.O. Box 505, Floyd, Virginia, 24091. The closing music and the opening music you're listening to is Jordan Harmon, and the song is Just Slow Down, a very appropriate comment for the times that we're in. If you want to read, you have to slow down. Artemis Speaks, the podcast, is recorded twice monthly at Final Track Studios in Roanoke, Virginia. All rights reserved and is co-produced by Jerry Rogers and Skip Brown. Trying to do the same thing that everybody else they do.
Just slow down if you've got to, baby, just slow down. 